It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White. And we're going to take a look this podcast at the weak links of the Dallas Cowboys, specifically if they are going to be derailed this season by a position group or a specific aspect of the unit or of the team as a whole, where might the most likely outcome come from, Tom? And you did a deep dive into this, which we will uh, go into here as I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, it's it should come as no surprise where I landed is the, the spot that I think is the weakest, the most prone to failure, Kicker. to creating problems, huh? Kicker. Yeah, not quite. No, I don't, you know, I I think they're just going to go for it on fourth down the whole season, so not even worry about it. I <laughs> hope two, they do. Two-point conversions all the way. They're not even going to carry a kicker. They're going to have have uh, anger kickoff, you know, and that's going to be it. But the, the thing, the thing I, I, you have to step back and take a little perspective first off. Everybody but one team winds up failing each season because only one team winds up hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And they can all, you know, fail for a variety of reasons. But usually with a team, you can point to one or two things and say, man, that's where it fell apart for them. Their quarterback didn't do so well. Uh, you know, their passing game just, you know, their receivers just weren't good enough, even though the quarterback was. Their defense was soft. They gave up too many long plays. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, right now, we've got some pretty high hopes for the Cowboys because – they have done a, a really good job of addressing a lot of things in the offseason. Uh, you know, the, the big one for me is, is the fact that they got Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore, uh, which really helped the wide receivers and short up cornerback. The cornerback room was already pretty strong, and I think that Gilmore has come in and just they, they built on their strength with him. Uh, and, and yet they don't have to depend on the aging veteran to to be at his really prime. They just need him to be good enough to help balance out the other guys, Diggs and Bland and, and Lewis to an extent. So most of it looks good, but, you know, and, and a lot of people will look and say, well, what about Dak Prescott? Uh, you know, our own Dan Rogers took a look at, at things that contribute to, to Dan, Dak Prescott's success. He made an excellent case for how Cooks coming in and McCarthy taking over the offense could really elevate Dak's game to where he's kind of at the top of his form. That's wonderful. I, and I don't think Dak Prescott can be considered a, a weak link. You just The only problem you have is the one every team has, and that's quarterback depth. You've got to try to keep your quarterback healthy if you're going to succeed. But resources are limited, and not everything was addressed so successfully in the offseason. And over a decade ago, before I even really started writing with blogging the boys, uh, our own one cool customer wrote one of the best articles that you can read if you want to get into the nitty-gritty and the stats and how things work. And he talked called it the O-ring theory, where the, the one thing – that fails that leads to everything going to pot. Uh, and I'm not going to try to dig into it. it it's a long article, uh, but basically, you know, if you can get 
if you can avoid that thing failing, your chances of success go up tremendously. And I've thought for some time, you know, ever since they went through the, the, the talent acquisition process between trades, free agency, and the draft, the one thing that I felt that was under-addressed was the offensive line. Now, if you look at just the five projected starters, when they're healthy, you think, well, this is a good offensive line. You got Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, uh, who have, has been praised fulsomely by some people lately that he's going to just get better as, as time goes on. Tyler Biotish, who I think is underrated as a center, although he, you know, he made the Pro Bowl, so that was that was excellent recognition for him. You've got Zach Martin, who's just outstanding, and Terrence Steele, who is another very good player. That was the plan last year, though. You know, that was how they were going to line up. And it never happened because, of course, Tyron Smith got hurt in in the in in training camp before they ever took the field. And they immediately went into the shuffle. And the success they had was partly because they had a key depth piece named Connor McGovern. Well, you know, Connor McGovern's not here anymore. And if you look at the five starters and then look at what's behind them, you realize they're one one injury away from being into a real reshuffle with a good chance that it's not going to work out as well. Mm. Yeah, as I put it, there's nothing but question marks and maybes in the depth. Uh, you've got a bunch of very inexperienced guys. Uh, you know, you got some like Matt, Matt Willetsko, who who may be rather good. Matt Farniok has kind of hung around and, and has a little position flex and, and seems to be, you know, like he's got some potential. But do you really want to depend on them to have to step in to a starting role for an extended period of time? I ain't comfortable with that. Uh, and the plan for the Cowboys right now seems to be that Tyler Smith is the starting left guard and your backup tackle. If, if either Tyron Smith or Terrence Steele goes down, then it looks like the plan is for Tyler Smith to shift out to left tackle, and whichever one of the other two is healthy will be at right tackle. Who's going to be your left guard? Uh, you've got three primary ca candidates right now. I mentioned Farniak. However, you know he's the backup center too, I think. I think uh, that kind of might make them less – willing to plug him in as a starter, which takes you down to a rookie, Asim Richards, and the free aid addition of Chuma Adoga. They're your most likely suspects in this case. And they're going to have to figure out training camp. Who is going to be that next man up uh, if something happens? Um, you know, and then who becomes your swing tackle if, if Tyler Smith has to become your one of the tackles and you've got one other healthy starter. Who's your swing tackle? Uh, you know, I said, Matt, well, let's go seems to have the faith of the, the coaching staff, but he's got almost no experience. Josh ball doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And, you know, then you've just got some, you know, guys that maybe somebody will emerge, but I, I just look at this room and it's like, it's not just, 
one place it could be a problem. There's multiple ways these dominoes could fall and the Cowboys could be scrambling. And you've got a, a, a quarterback who's running for his life on half the plays. And Tony Pollard and the other running backs are not seeing the holes open up that they need for the running game to work. And suddenly the whole offense could grind to a halt. Uh, I was expecting them to go for a guard, uh, possibly, uh, more likely to draft a a tackle that they could also move inside like they did with Tyler Smith originally. And, you know, Richards was, I think, what, a fifth-round pick? Uh, You know, they didn't invest a lot. That's, you know, when you get to to fifth-round picks, those are are real crapshoots. So this makes me very uncomfortable, and this is what I'm going to be looking at because, you know, again, you know, quoting from the article I wrote for this, this is like a Jenga tower after you've removed about half the pieces, and you know, you just, you know that something's going to come out and it's going to collapse. This is not a real well-constructed tower at the moment. It's kind of swaying a little bit every time somebody tries to move something, so... Well, and to recap that O-ring theory, right, just to make sure I'm on the same page with it, it's kind of basically saying wherever the weakest link is, if a catastrophe there takes place, that will be enough to topple whatever good is being accomplished anywhere else. Yeah, and and just for those that that are wondering why it's called the O-ring theory, it goes back to the Challenger shuttle disaster where that – spaceship blew up because one of the cheapest parts on the whole shuttle assembly the o-rings on the solid fuel boosters one of them failed due to weather conditions it got very cold froze up and it weakened the o-ring and that thing failed in mid-flight and the result was the loss of the astronauts and the tragedy and that's what this is. What's your O-ring? What's that one part, the weakest part that could fail and just lead to a disaster? And to me, that just repeatedly, when you look at this team, it's the offensive line. Uh, you know, like I said, you've got five good starters, but Tyron missed time. Terrence Steele missed time. They had Jason Peters last year that helped them survive, and he's sitting around waiting and I don't know if he would answer the call because, you know, he's c- kind of retired again. Uh, the The feeling is that Dallas is the only team he'd play for because he lives in Dallas and he's not going to uproot himself for, you know, a few million dollars to go somewhere else because he's got a nice little fund to, to live off of. And he, he, he likes to play football, but he doesn't like training camp. And you know, will the Cowboys get to a point where they said, we've got to have Jason Peters and make the call. Then will he accept it? Can they work out something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we That's, and I don't know. It's I, the hope. I, 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 yeah, I would imagine the staff has a pretty good idea what the answer is, but they're not going to tell us. So we're just working off of guesswork there. And, you know, we can guess really wrong. That's why I think this is one place the Cowboys are going to wind up looking outside the roster. And it's going to happen as 
other players get released. This could be one of those moves they make when the big cut down comes, which I like the idea of let's just do it all at once and give all the guys the full three preseason games to start their stuff and try to earn their way onto a roster somewhere in the league or at least get onto a practice squad. I think that's great, but the downside is that sometimes in the past when you had the staggered cut downs, the teams would actually release a veteran early because they felt he had a good chance of catching on somewhere. He was kind of their, their situation was strong enough. They knew that they were going to have to part ways with him. So they would release him in one of the early cuts and give him time to catch on, you know, a few more days to, to find someone that was interested in hiring him and bringing him on. We don't have that. Uh, but they can no, still do that. I mean, they can still execute and have done that with a few guys. So I don't necessarily think that part has uh, – I, and I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I just liked it, the old shuffle, because it felt like, okay, here's a new set of fresh guys that you can kind of choose from every couple of weeks as yeah. opposed to what it's going to be, which will be a mad grab. Right. Like it'll be a mad dash. No, I think the Cowboys are going to benefit from this new wave because when everybody's cut down and guys are looking around, hey, where are you going to want to play? You're going to want to take a taste of what the Dallas Cowboys and America's team has to offer for one year. You don't have any better options. Might you take a little bit less to play for the Dallas Cowboys? I think you would. I would. Yeah. I that That's certainly a consideration. And you're right, it may well actually work out well for the Cowboys because they are a glamour franchise. Dallas is an attractive city to live in for most NFL players. Uh, you know, it's it's cosmopolitan. They've got a lot there for quality of life stuff. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's centrally located, so it's actually easy to get there. You know, just all these little minor things you can look at that enter into a, a decision when somebody wants to stay in the NFL uh, another season or two, and the Cowboys are seen as one of the stronger teams. So the chances of getting into the playoffs seem to be good with them. So all that makes them attractive. I agree fully with that. Uh, I just I, I think the Cowboys. You know, they're sitting on about twenty million in cap space, and everybody's talking about how that they would like to use that to get a. Uh, an extension done with either uh, C.D. Lamb or Trayvon Diggs. But I think they may have earmarked a few million of that for when, when they need to go out. You know, they probably got a price point set in their mind of how much they're willing to pay. And, you know, they can still get a deal done with one of their, their rising stars that they want to retain because you can structure contracts that doesn't make too big a hit this year. And then, you know, you'll work out things as they come up later on. But yeah, it's. I, I just really think that that is one position that the, the Will McClay and the scouting staff are going to be paying attention to. And, you know, something that goes on that, that some people may not be aware of is teams are talking with each other. They're, you know, they're checking, and it's, it's kind of a quid pro quo. Okay, I'll tell you who we've got that – may be available and that might likely be available if you'll tell me who you've got that looks like they could be hitting the market so that we can you know kind of figure out what we want to do 
uh, you know, they can't talk to the players, the agents, but they can talk to the other staff and, and teams, you know, it's, it's one of these things of if, if teams are, are upfront with you and tell you valuable information, then, you know, that you, you, you will share valuable information with them. And, you know, if there are teams that don't play the game, then they just don't get to be in the game. They don't get the benefits of being able to do that because people aren't going to tell them anything. Uh, so that, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, talent acquisition is 365 days a year in the NFL. Uh, it may just be making plans, uh, putting out feelers like that. But, you know, the Cowboys, I don't think, are going to go in totally unprepared if they need to make a move. I, I think they, they will, will have, you know, not just plan a plan. They're going to have plan A, plan B, and plan C. Uh, so they, they're going to have different ways to go. I just think they have to look at doing something. If, if there's one place, I think they are going to add veteran talent at some point between now and the start of the season, it's going to be on the offensive line and it, you know, Peters may be part of it. He may not, they may go with somebody else. Uh, I just, I, I don't think you can put your faith in Edoga being able to carry the load. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Or, you know, that, that Richards is going to step Smith up. playing 13 games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I love Tyron Smith is one of the great left tackles in football, but his body has been through what is it, 10, 11 seasons now. He's been around a long time. That is a lot of impacts, and he's had a lot of injuries uh, from you know fairly serious ones to more minor ones, but you know. He's missed at least three games for, what, seven seasons now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're talking about your starters, uh, you know, even they might just miss three games. But, you know, if like one of them is against the Eagles and you're in a, a, a you know, dead heat race or, or, you know, one of the other rather formidable teams come up, particularly uh, in the, in the uh, conference, because uh, that's the ones that count the most. You know, those three games might wind up costing you the division. It, it might 
wind up costing you a playoff spot if it happens at the wrong time. Now, it the good news is that the NFC does not look nearly as strong as the AFC at this point and on paper. Mm-hmm. We have to caveat that. We're, everything right now is a projection from what has happened over the past year. We're looking at how people performed last season. We're looking at the the draftees and UDFAs and what they did in college, trying to see how that translates to the to the big leagues. And you know, we're just trying to figure out if that how much is going to carry forth, who's on who's on the, the upswing. Because some players, let's face it, they are going to be worse this year than they were last year. If they were very good last year, they may just be good this year, but it's still a downgrade. And sometimes they 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 just step off a cliff. You never know when the body's going to give out. The NFL is a brutal sport, and it wears bodies down. So you never know when people are going to hit that. Uh, you know, there's some fine prime examples. You know, like age 30 for a running back is when when so many of them just just it's like they're it's over for them. And you know, we've kind of seen what happened with Ezekiel Elliott. You know, it was great running back coming into the league and the Cowboys had to part ways with him because he was just not having any success on, on early downs. And it happened well before he was 30. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true. I think with running backs, it may be more like 26, 27, something like that. Yeah. They've only got so many years because the running backs whole role in life is to go in and smash into people and try to get yards. And, you know, they're all coming after him when he's carrying the ball. Well, I do want to touch on then uh, before we get to maybe some other potential weaknesses and discuss whether they are or they are not for the Cowboys. I do just want to mention, you know, Ter- uh, we have uh, Terrence Steele still coming off of that leg injury. Not 100% sure if he's going to be good to go at the start of camp. At least they haven't revealed that to be the case. So there's that additional injury concern, and we don't really know what that's going to be. I, you know, I wrote an article not too long ago saying that I thought the offensive line could potentially be better, and it could be this year. But because, as you said, on paper the starting five are strong, but if anything goes, if any block is taken out of the Jenga tower, as you mentioned, it is a much more wobbly proposition than a lot of other Jenga towers or units on this Cowboys roster. So no doubt like the offensive line is the biggest area of concern. And it's hopefully one that they will address prior to camp, or at least at some point during camp, I propose to you, I guess next then is the linebacking group, a potential issue there as well. And when I say that, I want to caveat that by saying I no longer consider Micah Parsons to be a part of the linebacker group. Yeah, he will play sometimes where he looks like a linebacker out there, uh, you know, because Quinn just loves to move his, his pieces around. You know, he's, he's kind of a mad scientist. But there's a structural difference with almost every other unit as opposed to the offensive line. The offensive line has to function as a unit, and it's harder to just plug and play someone. I mean, you look at the defensive line, Okay, Micah Parsons can't make it up for a game. You still got some really good pass rushers that can just 
go in and play and you're going to have a fall off, but it's not going to be significant. And they aren't, you know, they aren't as dependent on how it works together with the other guys. It's, it's just every other spot on the roster everywhere kind of is less inter interconnected than the, than the offensive line is linebacker. Uh, the, that's just not as important a position, you know. Linebackers, the running backs of the defense. Uh, you know, Leighton Vanderish had a had a really good year last year, uh, and and I'm I'm glad that they retained him. He, he had a, an excellent season. Damon Clark, I mean, that guy came on pretty strong, and I think he gives them key depth. And they invested a, a decent draft pick in uh, Demarvion Overshell. And the Cowboys are seldom going to use more than a couple of linebackers because of how they use J. Ron Curse in kind of a hybrid role. And it's worth mentioning he's like, I, I also consider him a part of this group, but he's a guy that if he goes down specifically, they're out that man on the linebacker group, right? Yeah. No one, else is, gonna, no one else is playing J. Ron Curse's role. Well, I, I think they hope that Overshone can kind of be his understudy. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, just, uh, you know, what, what, where he won't be maybe it, – it's it's just kind of – I just kind of get the feelings that, that the skill sets that they're looking for someone that can maybe play that kind of a position who's, who's able to come up and, and be the linebacker and also not be a liability uh, if he has to do some pass coverage on a tight end or something. Uh, that's a lot of projection on my part, just kind of trying to put pieces together. So that one's going to be one I really uh, have mentioned that I want to, to watch what's going to happen. But, you know, most of the other other places, I mean, you know, you, you have. That's really the only one I could come up with and, you know, just feeling like, all right, hey, if Dak Prescott goes down, of course, like they're they're probably screwed. But then again, they're not screwed totally, right? If he doesn't go down for the season, Cooper Rush can keep them afloat. If needed, yeah. so can't say that's yeah. a danger zone. Running back, you know, if it's not as important as I believe it to not be, then I mean, hey, I love having Tony Pollard back there. But if he goes down, we should be able to make it work. Should be yeah, able to make I, it work. and that's what I think they will get sorted out uh, and come up with an answer in training camp. So, yeah, just. Running back is a lot more about how the coaches use them in the offense than it is the talent of the player. Because you just look at team after team where they've got some fifth-round pick that comes in and is the leading rusher and the team is successful on the ground. Uh, it happens over and over. So, you know, are we, we relying too much on Malik Davis? I don't know. Maybe we are, but – I think he could step in and carry the, 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 the team for a few games as the lead back if they had to use him. And, you know, you know, maybe Hunter Lepke's gonna emerge, maybe one of the other guys. I uh, love Hunter Lepke. I do. I have a I have a <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't I've forget Ronald that. Jones too. There's a there's some veteran Yeah, know, I like I, I think yeah, Jones is a guy. I think he's a great. He's one of those guys. Uh, a veteran ad seems like really good insurance policy mm -hmm. kind of thing. And and then uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Rico Dow 
is this going to be the year he finally stays healthy? And, and because he has flashed in the past, but he's always had some health issues that interfered. And I'm, I'm wondering if this could be the year that he actually manages to finally strut his stuff for the Cowboys. So, yeah, that's why I'm, I, I just think there's potential solutions for the, at the running back. So it doesn't concern me as much. And again, I'm kind of in the school of running backs don't matter. You just need someone you can hand the ball to. And, you know, if they if they block him a nice hole that he can see the hole, then bang, you get four or five yards and you've got a successful play. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, those are probably the only two spots that I would have, you know, a whole lot of you know disagreement about. I mean, I do think they're worse at the tight end position, but I know a lot of people would fight me on that. And I'll at least wait and see with Schoonmaker before I make any final assessments on that and with the development of the two young guys that they have. Cause I think at least two guys on the upswing who had their own flashes and Hendershot um, and, and the other one, I want some, why am I, it's escaping my name. I always do uh, this with these. Ferguson. Two. Ferguson. Yeah. I know it, yeah. I, it's three syllables, so I should always be able to remember it, but I just yeah. escapes me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just have a feeling that at least one of those is going to emerge as the starter slash security blanket. Uh, you know, Dalton Schultz kind of faded in that role because he had a lot of drops. Mm. Uh, I don't love the Dalton Schultz slander there, Tom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you a little bit on that. Like Dalton Schultz, for all the uh, heat that he took from the fan base, who's the second best pass catcher on this team for the last two years? That's not a debate. That's a stated fact, and that was while Amari Cooper was still on this team as well. He had taken over that role. Like, I get that he wasn't as great as maybe you would like your number two option to be. He wasn't a number two wide receiver, and that's probably what was the problem. Ultimately, is that his fault? No. I don't think they're going to just replace Dalton Schultz outright. Like, maybe they just ask less of that position – and we feel better about it. I think that is what will ultimately happen, but they're not going to put up as big a numbers collectively as they did last season. I don't believe. Yeah. But you got to remember that part of the, the, the reason that he uh, was the, the second receiver for them was just volume. I mean, he caught the second most passes because they, they, the offense wound up targeting him a lot, either, by design or because he was the safety valve thing. Agreed. Uh, but I mean, that's, he, he caught the most balls. He had the second mo- most receiving yards in that time. I believe he had the second most touchdowns behind CD lamb as well. And yeah. And he was targeted the second most of it. So whether that was by virtue of, you know, game plan or circumstance or Cooper rush being the guy throwing a, a decent amount of those passes over the last two years. Hey, all those are fair, but the fact is Amari Cooper was there for a good period of that time, and Dalton Schultz was beating him out too. So, yeah. But I I will say that, remember last season, it was CeeDee Lamb, uh, a still hobbled Michael Gallup, and Noah Brown. Well, and that's why Dalton should could potentially, or the tight end position, I guess, in general, could potentially become – from drop from two to four on the yeah. pecking order. Like you, if Gallup like or that. a running back like Tony Pollard or a group of them start to catch a, a few more balls, 
like, and the mix of those three tight ends, yeah, they could become like the fourth option after having been the second for so long. And that's what I, that's where I ultimately think it will end up where I say we'll feel better about the tight end position because we'll get less of it because we'll need less of it. Yeah. That's that I think in the passing game, at least as it was structured last year, feeding it to the tight end was not as that helpful. That was not really how you were, you know, because his, his yard per reception were not that, outstanding though you know i don't disagree no you're right yeah so yeah we'll have to see how that goes uh I, you know per, that needs that guy who is going to be there when he needs to get rid of the ball and still make positive yards uh and we'll just have to see which one of the ones uh emerges it's going to be very interesting i i think by the end of the year that it could be Schoonmacher, but I would not be surprised if Ferguson carries the load for the first half of the season while Schoonmacher gets his legs under. Well, another one in the books, Tom. Just a few more weeks until the Cowboys are kicking it off there in Oxnard, California. Hopefully the weather's nice for them because it has been a scorcher here over the past week uh, across the country in the two hottest days in June that were ever recorded here, Tom, uh, recorded here in the last couple, uh, last week. So kudos to us. Way to go. Turn up the heat, folks. Keep it up. But uh, with that being said, you guys stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we will be back next Thursday, both Tom and I. For Tom, I'm Roy. Stay riled up, and we'll see you next Thursday.